So we offer a lot for people, which is something that's really great that the park has done. Um, but for me, my favorite way to see the park is either by hiking or biking. So if you have that time and that ability to do so, uh, definitely get out on the trails. You can get out on some of our trails that are least visited, like the Western Trail or the Bighorn Overlook Trail. And you'll have an amazing view of canyons that rivals anything in a national park, and you'll have it to yourself. Welcome to Six Corners, where we share gripping stories from across all six corners of Utah, each one full of unexpected insights about the land and our relationship to it. Chapter One, Grand View Point, Southeastern Utah. Hello and welcome to the Six Corners podcast. My name is Matt Linton, and I'm very excited to be bringing you another episode. This is part five of chapter one, focusing on Moab and Grand County, Utah. On today's episode, I'm speaking with Spencer Stokes. Spencer is a park ranger at Dead Horse Point State Park. He grew up in Utah near Zion National Park. He visited Dead Horse Point for the first time with his family when he was just six months old. And throughout his adult years, he has worked at several national monuments and national parks in the West before he landed here at Dead Horse Point State Park. Spencer, thank you for joining me today. I appreciate you taking some time to come and talk with us. Yeah, it's a pleasure. I'm really excited for this opportunity to talk about something I love dearly. Yeah. The phrasing, Dead Horse Point State Park, is kind of a mouthful, so <laughs> I'm stumbling over that as we go. Just, uh, <laughs> yeah, I understand. Just roll sure. with it. Um, so you started getting out into the or outdoors with your family at a very young age. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, luckily, where I grew up, um, we had public land access right in my backyard. Uh, we abutted right against the Kolob Canyon section of Zion National Park. So uh, I grew up spending a lot of time just hiking in my backyard. Family would take us on road trips to visit the other national parks in Utah, surrounding areas. Um, you know, growing up with friends, that's what we like to do is to go up the creek behind us in Zion to see the frogs. Kind of that, you know, kid exploring. Mm -hmm. And so luckily, um, that gave me a love of natural resources, of the wilderness, of public lands. Um, and so, yeah, it's just a great opportunity where I had to get out and explore at a young age. And do you have a lot of siblings? So was this, this was a whole family thing. Did they all kind of get that same love and passion that you got for the outdoors? Yeah, for sure. Um, I just have one sibling, um, but he's my hiking partner. Uh, we meet up all the time to go hike. My mom loves hiking. My dad is a huge mountain biker, so he loves coming to Moab area. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I kind of got a really young exposure to this area because we are all mountain bikers, all hikers. And so, of course, we would come to Moab when I was young because uh, no better place for mountain biking and hiking for sure. Right. So you grew up near... Zion National Park and you worked at the bookstore there and you said that that experience changed the trajectory of your life. Tell me about your experience there and why it had such an enormous impact on you. Yeah, you know, growing up um, as a teenager, worked your usual teenager type of jobs, wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do. I worked fast food for a while. Um, I came, I went to school for one year at UVU, um, came home in the summer and that summer I worked at the Colab Canyon bookstore um, and it was, it was a life-changing event for me because um, I realized I really enjoy sharing my knowledge of natural resources, of hiking, of trails, and helping people be safe on trails and recreate responsibly. I enjoy doing that every day. Um, so working in that bookstore let me do that where I'd give people trail recommendations, um, tell them about the animals that they might see, explain some of the natural resources. 
and help them understand why it's important to follow the rules and regulations of the park. And I enjoyed doing that. So it was a really cool life-changing trajectory for me. Um, led me to change what I wanted to do and to just be more an advocate for public lands. And from that point on, I just uh, worked for parks. So it was really cool. And you knew the stuff inside out because you basically grew up in Zion. It was your backyard for you. Yeah. So it was really cool for me to be able to say to people, like, yeah, that's my favorite hike. There's some other more secret hikes, some areas you might not know. Talk about the wildlife, the plants, the animals, everything that I grew up learning by spending time outside. I could share that with people. And then it was really cool for me to get paid to share that. So that was definitely the cherry on top. Yeah. Yeah. So following the bookstore, you went on to work at a few other monuments and parks, including Cedar Breaks National Monument, uh, Rocky Mountain National Park, Colorado National Monument. First off, can you describe for those listening that don't already know, what is the difference between a national park and a national monument? And then tell us about what brought you back to Utah and most specifically to Dead Horse Point. Awesome. That's a question I haven't had for a bit. It's been a minute since I've worked at a national monument. Um, national monuments are designated by president, by executive authority, and national parks require an act of Congress to be established. A lot of national parks start first as national monuments, um, which then are eventually upgraded, per se, to national park by an act of Congress. So that's mm-hmm. kind of the difference between those two. Okay. Um, and so I think I, I always said um, I, I really enjoyed working with national parks service, but I've always said when I was growing up and in my career that if I worked at a state park, it would be Dead Horse Point. Uh, so it really wasn't the place. Um, it was a place I was looking for and I was watching for to see if they had a job open. Um, so after working with the National Park Service for a couple of years, they finally saw that Dead Horse Point had a job open. So. I applied, and luckily I knew the area very well. I know the geology, the flora, the fauna, and was able to get that position. And it's just been a dream come true for me so far. It's an amazing place, and I love working there every day. So that's something that comes into a job interview is how well you know specifically that area um, and, and everything about it. Yeah, and I feel like that's what gave me a leg up on other candidates is growing up in the Colorado Plateau and working in the Colorado Plateau. I uh, knew the geology very well, um, knew the natural resources. And, you know, a mountain biker, hiker, so that's two big things that we have at Dead Horse Point. And I spent a lot of time in that park growing up, so I already knew it like the back of my hand before even interviewing there. Very interesting. So you um, probably get a lot of questions as a park ranger, and we just talked about one of them. I think a common question you probably get asked a lot is, where did the name Dead Horse Point come from? What's the history behind that? Yeah, so that is definitely um, right up there, probably top three most asked questions we get. The main local legend that we tell is that the feature of the Dead Horse Point was used as a natural corral for horses by cowboys in the late 1800s. Um, and due to some reasons or another, some of the horses died at the point. So quite literally, Dead Horse Point. Um, there's other legends that horses ran off the point, um, or you know we've had Moab locals tell me that the person who owned it before the state just found horse bones up there and called it Dead Horse Point. Um, so the history behind it is a little murky. It's it is really hard to find the origin of the name. I've tried and looked, and it seems like there's a couple sources that lead back to one source, and so it's really hard to have it confirmed what actually led to the name of Dead Horse Point. Interesting. So at this point, I mean, you could make anything up and people will believe you because you're a park ranger. <laughs> you don't know the real answer. 
for sure anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, and I, I, I tell you, we definitely get some people who, uh, when I tell them the horse is dying the point, it almost ruins their day. <laughs> and so I like to say, follow that with me, like, yeah, that's a legend. We don't really know. <laughs> let, let me clear that up. Um, so you've been here now for two and a half years. What have you learned in that time as a ranger that perhaps you didn't know or weren't aware of before you came here permanently? Um, so one of the biggest things I learned um, was a lot about the dark sky resource of Dead Horse Point State Park. Um, my other parks, I never did astronomy programs, and that's a really big thing at Dead Horse Point is our dark skies because we're for, far enough away from Moab that we are pretty removed from light pollution. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a really spectacular web of stars you get to see at the park. And luckily, I was able to have the opportunity to teach myself how to use telescopes, how to find deep space objects like galaxies, learn constellations. Um, So working as a park ranger really gave me this awesome opportunity to learn more about the other half of the park, like we like to say, the dark side of the park. And so that was a really cool opportunity for me to learn this and to then be able to share this information I've learned with people at our star parties that we do. So that was that was actually my next question. So I know that um, the park became an International Dark Sky Association Gold Tier Dark Sky Park. That's a, that's <laughs> yeah, another that's mouthful. A big title. <laughs> uh, in 2016, and typically you do different programs and events related to that, as well as other events. And I'm sure COVID's had an effect on that. But tell me about those events specifically, and and what. Well, you just kind of answered this. What you enjoy the most um, with relation to that. Yeah, so first, right off the bat, we um, just got the go-ahead to do our star parties once again. Awesome. So I'm very excited about that. Um, and what those entail, it's our kind of our biggest event that we offer at Dead Horse Point in terms of ranger programs. Because we start off first talking about light pollution, what that is, what effects it has on natural resources, on people, how to reduce that. And then we go into a talk about cosmology and stars, followed by a constellation tour of the high-powered laser so you can see the patterns and stories told by people for a very long time. And the following that, we have telescopes set up that allow you to gaze deep into space and see these amazing objects. You can't see the naked eye, like galaxies, nebulas, and planets. Um, and that's, nothing really beats it. Um, when I get to show someone Saturn for the first time or a galaxy for this first time, it is, I remember the first time I saw Jupiter with a telescope, it blew me away. And then so to be able to share this with, hundreds of people a night and you show them Saturn in the rings and hear them go, Whoa, it looks like a postcard. Yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty amazing thing that we can do at the park. And I love it so much. That's awesome. So what other types of things do you do there? Yeah. So I, I do guided hikes, geology talks. Um, those are kind of the two other main programs we have because that's up there. Our, when we like to talk about our natural resources, like the pinion juniper forest on our guided hikes, the animals, and then the geology, of course, Dead Horse Point is views of Canyon Badlands that stretch for tens of miles as far as you can see. And so that's one of our biggest resources, the geology. And so we'd like to share our knowledge and help people understand the processes that form the canyon and the history of it and why this area is so unique. And then other than that, I do a lot of uh, trail work, help out on search and rescues. Since we have a lot of mountain biking trails, we do get out on quite a bit of accidents and help them out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then paperwork side, of course, lots of permits going to the park and helping keep the park clean through janitorial stuff. So that's kind of what I do in a nutshell. Got it. So part of the pur- purpose of this podcast is to help educate travelers on how to enjoy and take care of our lands here within the six corners of Utah. 
and obviously outside of Utah. And throughout these episodes, we're wanting to promote the idea behind PREP, which is an acronym that stands for Prepare, Respect, Enjoy, and Preserve. Um, keeping those ideas in mind, if someone is planning a trip to come visit Dead Horse Point, whether it's to camp, to hike, to bike, um, whatever, how would you tell them to prepare appropriately for, the, appropriately for their time here and what resources are available to them and what should they expect when they get here? Yeah, that's awesome. I love that this is the focus of the podcast because uh, preparing uh, a trip, first off, that's one of the main things you can do to respect the natural resources we have. And so if you're coming to Dead Horse Point, the m- first major thing I'd recommend to people is understand the time of the year you're coming. <laughs> because uh, the busiest times of the year, that's when we have the nice, most consistent weather, April, May, and June. And then we have the very hot times of the year. Um like July and August, September, October, November are usually nice. Then we have cold months. And so when you prepare to come to the park, understand what time of the year you're coming from and what you should prepare for that in terms of the environment, in terms of the crowds as well. Because of the nice weather, the park is very busy. We will see our parking lot fill often. We do close the park a decent amount. Um, just because Once you of, get to a certain yeah, capacity. Yeah, capacity just yeah. hits too much. So if you're coming say next year of May on a Saturday, understand that the park will be very busy. Um, And then if you're coming in the summer, July and August, just be prepared with lots of water, lots of sunscreen, and understand that you won't be doing a ton of hiking just because it is so hot. And the winter as well, we do get snow at the park. The roads can be treacherous. Uh, We can get a foot of snow at one time. So even though people think desert, we get a lot of snow and it is very cold. So before you come to the park, always check the weather, understand the year you're coming, um, under what time of the year you're coming, so you can be prepared for crowds, weather, or heat. That's kind of the three things I would say you'd want to think of before coming to Dead Horse Point. And then just do a little research on the trails. Uh, we do have great mountain biking trails, hiking trails. Um, if you come here prepared for the trails, there's a lot less uh, probability that we're actually going to have to come find you in a search and rescue. So definitely prepare, do some research, understand what level you are comfortable with. Um, And always when you're out there hiking, keep the 10 essentials with you, like food, water, headlamp, always, no matter what time you're out. Uh, Because we've had people get lost because they thought they were going to go for a little sunset hike. And then they get lost on the trails because once the sun goes down, it was dark. Make sure you're prepared when you're out in the trails as well. Um, Yeah, I think that would be pretty good thing to do research beforehand before coming and understand the time of the year. Yep. And research, research is obviously a huge, huge, huge part of that prepare. Um, so as a park ranger, you probably have to deal with various, sometimes challenging situations, as you just mentioned with visitors, um, including, but not limited to cleaning up after people. Um, when we say respect with reference to this prep idea, because it really applies to respect for the people around you, respect for the animals, respect for the land itself. How would you define it? And how do you educate your visitors about putting that into practice? You know, I think the best way to define that respect for visitors is understanding that this is a public land. This isn't just your area. This is an area for all people. Um, And so because of that, you want to leave that area better than you found it. Um, You want to make sure that you are packing everything in, that you take with you and pack it out. Um, And then being kind to others as well, you know, being kind to the rangers that come that are helping you out because we get lots of questions all the same day. Um, and so yeah, respect, make sure you're respecting your, 
your fellow park visitors as well, respect the environment, and understand what role you play in that and how you can help preserve this area and keep it special for generations to come. Perfect. So what is your uh, preferred way or what would be your suggestions for people to enjoying this park and getting the most out of your visit here? That's what's a really great thing about Dead Horse Point State Park is we have trails that for hikers that range from one mile to nine miles round trip, mountain biking trails that range from a four mile loop to a 15 mile loop. And then we do have ADA accessible areas. So we offer a lot for people, which is something that's really great that the park has done. Uh, But for me, my favorite way to see the park is either by hiking or biking. So if you have that time and that ability to do so, uh, definitely get out on the trails. You can get out on some of our trails that are least visited, like the West Room Trail or the Bighorn Overlook Trail. And you'll have an amazing view of canyons that rivals anything in a national park, and you'll have it to yourself. Um, mm-hmm. So I rec- definitely recommend hiking. Same with mountain biking. Um, you get out there far enough on the trails, and you'll be looking down across Red Rock, Spires, Colorado River, River beneath you, and you'll have it to yourself. Uh, the main viewpoint is spectacular. If you go out there, though, at sunset, you're going to have about 300 people there joining you. Right. So definitely prepare. Be willing to get out and sweat a little bit to really enjoy the park. And I highly, highly recommend sunrise over sunset. A lot less people, and it's a much better view. And you're p- potentially putting yourself in less danger because you're allowing yourself the time. If something happens and you need to find your way back, yeah. you're not all of a sudden in the dark. Yeah, if you're coming it. out for a sunset hike, you definitely need to be prepared for you know darkness, driving home in the dark, and also keep your headlamp. Come for sunrise, you get all day, you got the best view, and you don't have to worry about nighttime coming. And again, as you mentioned earlier, it's a it's a dark area. You can see the stars really well because it is so dark. So yeah. Yeah. If you're out there hard. and there's no moon um, and you don't have a headlamp, it's going to be very hard to find your way out. <laughs> right. Right. So lastly, in order to keep uh, these places undamaged, clean, beautiful, what can visitors do to help preserve these environments for future generations, as you, as you just talked about? Yeah. One of the biggest things that we really try to ask our visitors to do is to stay on trail. Um, here in the Moab area, Colorado Plateau, we have what's called living soil, which is a crust of a community of bacteria, fungus, and algae that lives in the soil and makes this protective crust. And so when you're off trail, um, you'll actually break through this crust and damage the soil underneath it. So that's the main thing we ask people to do is to stay on the designated trails, make sure you're following route route markers so the desert can stay preserved as you see it today. Because if you're getting off trail, other people will follow your foot tracks. The next thing you know, uh, we've lost that crust and we've lost the soil. And then we're not going to have nearly as many plants. The water won't be retained for animals. Um, So it really will change the ecosystem over time. So that's the main thing we ask is to stay on trail when you're here in Dead Horse Point State Park. So if people are wanting to plan a trip uh, to Dead Horse Point State Park, where, where should they go to make reservations and help them prepare for it? Yeah, uh, you can definitely use you know, whatever search browser you want. Just type in Dead Horse Point State Park. Um, that'll take you to our main website, which has great information on the camping. Camping reservations are handled by Reserve America. Um, so you can either go to their website or call their number. Um, but definitely recommend making campsites four months in advance because that's when the window opens. 
uh, I don't like to brag too much about our campground, but it is probably the nicest public campground in the Moab area, which means mm-hmm. that our sites fill up almost immediately. They open. So if you're planning so four months in advance, yeah, they're pretty much advance. booked out. Yep. Yeah. We're booked out up until, um, September 28th already wow. four months in advance. So yeah. And then our website, we, we've got the trail map on there. We've got pictures of the mountain biking trails. So you can kind of see what the difficulty of it, same with the hiking trails, see what you need. Um, so our website is a great resource to see and learn about, um, dead horse point state park. That way you're prepared for your visit. And what, and once they get there, what type of amenities and facilities do you have there? Yeah, we've got, uh, we've got great, that's once again, we have some of the best amenities in the Moab area. We have restrooms with flushing toilets, running water, a visitor center there, entrance station. So points of contact for you to ask questions to make sure you're staying safe, give recommendations by the rangers on the best areas to visit while you're in the park. And then our campgrounds, we have 56 sites. Um, and then the majority of those have electric hookups and we do have tent only sites as well. We have nine yurts, which are a great experience. Um, we sleep six people, they stay cooled and heated throughout the year, um, gas grill on the back. So we have a good list of amenities and roads paved throughout the park. So we, they take you to the main viewpoint, short walk. Um, so yeah, uh, pretty much anything you need except water if you're driving an rv you need to fill up your water in town and we don't have very much food in the park we have snacks but no food at the visitor center so do your shopping in moab yeah so related to that so somebody that's planning on a trip uh to moab wanting to go up to dead horse point how far is the drive back and forth between uh, moab and dead horse yeah when there's no traffic we're about a 40 minute drive from dead horse point state park to moab um, our location's great, though. We're right next to Canyonlands National Park, right. about 15 minutes away. Arches is about 30 minutes away. So a lot of people really like to base their camp in our wonderful campground to explore the area. And how you talked a little bit about being, you know, getting busy to the point where you have to kind of cut off um, because of capacity. But how do you compare to, I know the Arches is just, I mean, it's crazy busy there. I mean, they have cars lined up to get into the park just to drive through. Um, how do you compare to Arches and Canyonlands as far as the number of people that are coming? Yeah, and that's um, something I do enjoy working at Dead Horse Point because we aren't nearly as busy. Um, you know, we've closed a handful of times throughout the year compared to Arches. They close almost every day due to capacity issues. Mm-hmm. Um, I know right now I saw in Canyonlands their drive-in to Canada's National Park Island, the Sky District, it was about a 60-minute wait in your car. And when I left the park, we didn't have any wait at Dead Horse Point today. Um, and once again, like I said, our views, I've, I think they are just as good as anything in the Moab area. And a little bit better, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> but you're not partial. <laughs> I know. It's not like I spent a lot of my life at Dead Horse Point. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's... Especially if you're hiking, you can get and find some nice solitude at our park. Um, if you go to Arches and Canyons, the main our overlooks, main hikes, you'll still see people the whole time. But if you're hiking on our Western or Bighorn Overlook, you'll have solitude, and that's just can't be beat. Yeah, and given how popular Moab and the surrounding areas become, that's a that's kind of a great thing to be able to have because it's just there's a lot of people that are here and wanting to see all of this. So, yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people, they know us for our main viewpoint, Dead Horse Point Overlook, and it is the best view in the park, uh, but that's where you're going to see hundreds of people. But if you start hiking, start biking, it's a game changer for sure. Yeah, well, good to know. 
All right. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you taking the time to talk with us, Spencer. Um, it's been very interesting. I really appreciate you uh, taking some time out of your day to come and talk to us. Yeah. Uh, thank you for listening today. I hope you've enjoyed and have learned something new. Uh, please support these amazing park rangers like Spencer who do so much to take care of these amazing places that we get to go out and enjoy. So have a wonderful day. This is the Six Corners Podcast. If you enjoyed this story, let us know and subscribe to the Six Corners Podcast to hear more. The Six Corners Podcast was hosted and produced by Matt Linton and Merlin Films as part of the Utah Office of Tourism's Forever Mighty Responsible Travel Initiative. Six Corners was created by Andrew Gilman, research by Brett Prettyman, and cover art created by Peter Meech at Struck. Remember, as you travel, to prepare, respect, enjoy, and preserve. To learn more about prep and listen to other episodes, go to visitutah.com slash six corners. Please also listen to the Travel Utah podcast, focusing on Utah's best destinations and adventures, wherever you stream your podcasts. This has been the Six Corners podcast. Thank you for listening.